today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet Magic. You're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, except now we're talking albums. That's right, season two. All the albums in a chronological order, the correct way. And uh, I'm J.B. Clark. I'm as always by Rob. Rob, how you doing? Magic! Can I tell you a very like enlightened and simple thought I had about this album right when we started? Yes, please, by all means. Hi, I'm Rob. Everybody. This album nice is just you. like really straightforward rock and roll with strings. Yeah. That's great. That's exactly That's right. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just go right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it when we get to like the Sonic stuff, the, the, the sound quality of everything. But this is, I was realizing today as I was listening to it, like this is the most guitar forward Bruce Springsteen album since Darkness on the Edge of Town. Yeah. You know? And that's, I mean, that is straight up Brennan O'Brien. Yeah. In fact, I mean, uh, that's why I like Magic and Wrecking Ball so much, and that's why they endeared me back to like his earlier catalog is because that's what he's great at is writing guitar rock. Yeah, I, I I have it somewhere in my notes, but basically, just like yeah, this is it. It like that. That's the Brennan O'Brien effect. Is like he he's been he's been producing albums for like Pearl Jam and Rage Against the Machine and Stone Temple Pilots, and yeah, you give Brennan O'Brien some time and some power, and it's not it's not a concept album about nine eleven. And um, he's gonna he's gonna be like man, let's ratchet up those guitars. Because and I was thinking about yeah. it, like Born in the USA and um, like The River are those are rock albums, but they're very like keyboard forward rock albums, you know. Yeah. And this is just straight up guitar rock. Uh, like on Long Walk Home and the rest of the album, there's just like very far back in your right ear. There's like just a guitar playing the exact same thing as the rhythm, but just with a. F- fuzz pedal turned to 100 and the volume turned you know like way down so there's always like that just rock and roll you know there's someone just strumming straightforward on a, on a fuzzed out guitar somewhere in the mix yeah and it's yeah man it makes it it's it, I, and I, I was like no wonder no wonder this album pulled me into becoming a Bruce Springsteen fan because like that that was already the kind of music I liked you know like the the yeah. stuff that Bruce like Devils and Dust and We Shall Overcome at this time in my life was not going to reach me, but man, you make it like a, a guitar rock song in the vein of like a Pearl jam with Brennan O'Brien at the helm and like these really good songs. Like, yeah, this, this album was going to be irresistible to me. Yeah. You know, and it was, that's exactly what, what happened. So, um, anyway, let's back up a second. Let's talk about what we're talking about. So like you said, we're talking album, album by album. That's the series we're in right now. Uh, this album magic that we're talking about, uh, was released September the 25th, 2007 on Columbia Records. Every Bruce Springsteen album thus far has been released on Columbia Records. And this is th- this is the follow-up to We Shall Overcome, but it's the first E Street Band album since The Rising. So it's been five years since an E Street Band album, but it's it's been like 10 minutes since a Bruce Springsteen album because of like Live in Dublin and everything. So, um, so he's been both very present, but also not exactly the thing that people have been like clamoring for with him. And... And this is okay. So I actually, okay, let's back up. Let's talk about 2007. Let's, let's put this in the frame just for a second. Let's talk about other albums that came out in 2007 JB. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the list of the big albums that came out from this particular year. And, um, some of these you're going to be like, yes, I love that album. And some of them you're going to be like, I don't know that was an album. So that's, that's what we're going to do. So just real quick, first of all, right out of the gate in rainbows by Radiohead. Love it. There you go. Another band I'd be interested to hear them do like a, 
guitar rock album after Long Departure from Guitar Rock. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, talk about a band that started with a lot of guitar and then went they, all sorts yeah. of ways. Their yeah. first record was like the most quintessential 90s guitar rock record out there. It's just full of singles. And then then not not so much just, <laughs> for the yep, rest of it. Just weirder and weirder every time since. Yeah. But people love it. Like the 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 album that is probably the least celebrated in their whole catalog is Pablo Honey, right? Like I feel, I feel like just critically they just continue to be like an on an upward incline at oh, least for sure. at least through um what came after OK Computer, Kid A? Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, In Rainbows by Radiohead, As I Am by Alicia Keys, Curtis by 50 Cent. Uh, the high, the best-selling album of 2007, JB, was Daughtry by Daughtry. Mm. Are you familiar with Daughtry? Uh, yeah, I had a friend in high school. He was like, you know me. i got to have my Daughtry. And I was like, oh, I thought. Daughtry, for those who don't oh. know, was a contestant on the game show <laughs> American Idol. He was like the first, like, uh, he was like the first kind of Scott Stapp, like, rock and roll, like, convicted to rock, uh, you know, like, righteous. Yeah, he was very embraced by, like, Christian rock fans. Very, very, exactly, like, like, Scott Stapp, Nickelback, like, sort of uh, vibe to him, for sure. Daughtry's soul patch was so big that if it was any bigger, it would have been a goatee. It had its own soul patch. (laughs) <laughs> there's a soul patch in, within a soul patch but there wasn't a lot of soul in the music no absolutely none um that that is an artist i think has probably not aged very well <laughs> and so that like he that I was the best selling putting records out see i didn't even know that <laughs> and I, I mean not I, I realized i said he was a contestant on a game show which he was but like that's not to totally demean every person who ever was on american idol like i keep almost saying this american life on american idol like kelly clarkson i think has made a really respectable career for herself so is carrie underwood Absolutely. um but uh daughtry Anyway, so uh, anyway, so he he had the number one selling album in two thousand seven. Uh, there was American Gangster by Jay Z, which is a very good record. Neon Bible by Arcade Fire. Uh, Lost Highway by your your guy Bon Jovi. Yeah. A uh, little album called Sky Blue Sky from Wilco. Mm, what a great record! This Welcome is, to the band Nils. Yeah, th- yeah, that was Nils's first r- album. Uh, it, this is where we first are introduced to Impossible Germany. Great album. Mm-hmm. Um, Boxer by The National, 100 Days, 100 Nights by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Icky Thump by White Stripes, Infinity on High by Fall Out Boy, Good Girl Gone Bad, Rihanna, Black Rain by Ozzy Osbourne, Liberated by Velvet Revolver, Not Too Late by Nora Jones, It Won't Be Soon Before Too Long, or It Won't Be Soon Before Long by Maroon 5, My December by uh, aforementioned Kelly Clarkson, uh, This Is the Life by Amy McDonald, Wincing the Night Away by The Shins, Emotionalism by Avet Brothers. Mm. It's uh, going. Gaga, 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 by Spoon. Uh, that one was not quite my favorite Spoon record, but it's got some good songs on it. I'd say it's probably their most successful. It's the one with the underdog on it, which I think is their biggest single. Yeah, um, I like the next one. I think. Yeah. Oh, well, it was and then the most recent one. They want my soul. Was that their next yeah. one after that? That was a good album. Um, yeah. Then you've got uh, Cease to Begin by Band of Horses, Echo, Silence, Patience and Grace by Foo Fighters, Little Voice by Sarah Bareilles. Uh, Jason Isbell makes his solo debut with Sirens of the Ditch this year. Uh, Chase This Light by Jimmy Eat World. Dusk and Summer by Dashboard Confessional. 
which I know you love. We're getting like into my era. <laughs> yeah, we are. That's 2007, my friend. Uh, the distant also future. that Sarah Bareilles record was really good. It's very good. Yeah, there's some good stuff here. Uh, I the, interviewed her once for my blog for my brief pop culture blog. Did you I really? Interviewed you interviewed Sarah, Sarah Bareilles? Yeah, I love Sarah Bareilles. I think she's incredible. I yeah, she's great. Her first like big hit I got on like this. I got mailed like these things that people were trying to market to teens in the mail. Mm-hmm. And that rec- that was song was on like a mix and I loved it. Man, she yeah, she can write a song. Um okay, so yeah, The Distant Future by Flight of the Concords. This is back when Flight of the Concords was really peaking. Um oh, Ri- man. Rise Above by Dirty Projectors. I included that only because I knew you you would approve. Yeah. Um Graduation by Kanye West. Kala by MIA. That had a really big uh single on it. That was a really big one. The airplane song, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, airplanes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that from the Slumdog Millionaire soundtrack. Shoots the guns. Yeah, blap 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 blap. Oh, that's right. Uh, the High School Musical two soundtrack, and then finally, uh, Noel by Josh Groban. It was his Christmas album, which is now the best selling album released from two thousand seven. So, in in two thousand seven, Daughtry had the biggest selling album, but ultimately, Josh Groban would have the last laugh with his Christmas record. So, yeah. So those are the albums that were released the same year as Magic. All right. How are we feeling about 2007 as a year in music? There's nothing like super impactful yet on a grand scale, but some of those bands, you know, like Jimmy World will go on to be regarded and Chase's Light will go on to be regarded as a as a thoughtful record, you know, and that you know some of those bands aren't haven't been around. Those it's the beginning for some of those bands or like they're kind of hitting a stride. So yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I mentioned like Jason is, but like Sirens of the Ditch is. I mean, for sure, his least good album, yeah. but but it's it's the beginning of his solo career, so it's it's right. noteworthy for that reason, yeah. And then you've got, like you said, Emotionalism, which is not the best Avett Brothers record, but it's... It, it, they go it's, on to have a pretty solid career yeah, after Emotionalism, and sure. before, but certainly after. And then you've got, like you said, Sky Blue Sky, it's the introduction of Nils Klein into Wilco, so Neon, Neon Bible probably is, is possibly the most, like, I was going to say that in rainbows, I was trying to think like what like critically had the deepest impact over time. Um, but so, like, oh, so- I, think, I think definitely neon Bible. I think in rainbows is like an afterthought to most people. Okay. Yeah. Neon Bible was the, that, that, that was when I first discovered arcade fire. That was my first arcade fire album that and, and boxer was my first national album. And both those came out that year. My first one was um, the one with like the face with the mirror. Of the national, trouble, oh, uh, trouble, trouble will find me. me. That's a oh good record. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, I think yeah, I just had like my first kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's dad music for sure. Yeah, um, and, and then Japan Droids record came out that same year, the Celebration Rock. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was a big record for a little while. Yeah. Um, all right, well then, so all that to say, those were all the albums, or not all, but those were a lot of the albums that came out around the same time as Magic. Those are the ones that were in competition. Now, in spite of all of those records being in competition with Magic, Magic still did very, very well. So the reception for this album, it was very commercially successful. It reached number one on the U.S. Billboard charts for one week, October the 20th, 2007, and it was ultimately certified platinum, which means it sold uh, over a million copies. And um, let's see, it's, like I said, it was produced by Brendan O'Brien, recorded at Southern Track Studio in Atlanta. It is the first full E Street Band album in five years since The Rising. 
the the album and i would argue that i mean i don't even need to make the argument this is definitive like the album begins a pretty steady run of e street band releases and tour dates so you you would not be wrong to say that this kicks off a nearly 10 year run of virtually nonstop work with bruce springsteen and the e street band that includes four new studio albums two anniversary re-releases slash box sets a super bowl halftime show and five different international tours that ends with the third leg of the river tour and all of that begins with magic like they release magic they go on the Today Show to promote it. They do like a two-week stand in New York um, doing doing live shows pretty much not every night, but like several nights. They call them rehearsal shows before the tour. And then they launch this tour. And the E Street Band, for the most part, is on tour for almost 10 years after that. Like, I mean, like I said, they sort of hey. come off tour for a little while, long enough for to re-record re- an album or to go on a brief hiatus. Um, but like, it always ends up like th- they always end up going back out on another tour or doing another big project. So the E Street band was working pretty steady for almost 10 years and it, it kicks off with the magic record. Yeah. So big deal They're back Very, Yeah. In a big way. Like th- this really was like the E Street band Renaissance. And, um, and this, by the way, it's another thing that's pretty um, significant here is this is the final album in which Danny Federici is officially in the studio with the band. I believe there are a couple of tracks on working on a dream where Mm -hmm. his work is still present because some of the material from working on a dream was recorded during the magic sessions. But this is, this is the last album that Danny will like see through to the end. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so yeah, so it's significant on that level. And, and also like Danny would um he he beg- i think he plays a few shows on the tour in fact his last show was on this tour but he he dies before the the tour is over so this is mm-hmm. you know it, it's a beginning in some ways for like a, a renaissance but it's also the end in in the like as far as like danny federici is concerned so it's, it's there's some bittersweet stuff going on mixed up with this record yeah. So uh, I think those are those are sort of the basic facts. I mean, I, I I talked before about this. Like I could talk about this album all day. This is this is the front door for me. This is my first. This is the first Bruce Springsteen album I loved, and um, this is where this is the first tour I saw. Like all, all my first memories of Bruce Springsteen are, are connected with this album. So it's it's impossible for me to be impartial in talking about this album because I have so many emotional connections to it. Um, I, but I will simply say, even though I recognize there are other albums in Bruce's catalog that are better or more important, uh, th- this is probably my favorite piece of music that I own, just on a sentimental level. And it, yeah. it, it may not be the best, but it, it is the thing that means the most to me. I get that. Yeah, I get that. So, um, yeah, man. And, and I mean, I, I feel like it, it feels like a true ter- return to form for the E Street Band, even more than The Rising, because The Rising was its own very specific kind of thing like sonically i feel like it almost stands on its own even though it is a, an e street band album but th- this is a straightforward yeah. rock and roll album with it was e like band. david s pumpkins <laughs> in what way it was its own thing baby. it was its own thing that's funny but yeah <laughs> there you go sorry uh, david s pumpkins man some days it's what you live for you know some days it really is so, so give, give me your initial thoughts like when you when you listen to this album I, I, I realize, like, the, like you, the album that does that for you, um, is is coming up. We haven't gotten to that yet. So, right. But but when you listen to this album, like, how how does it reach you? Like, what what do you what are your thoughts and like emotions sort of tied up in this? I just love how tight everything is mixed. It you it's hard to hear one thing in the mix. You it's know, a, yeah, it's a Brendan O'Brien wall of sound. Yeah, sure. um, it's it's really impressive the mixing. 
um, you know, the strings, you know, there's times when you don't even realize there's strings playing under the guitars or, you know, there's just like all this extra environment, all this extra, um, space. And it's, it's really nice. Um, yeah. And lyrically it's, you know, it's, it's great. There's a ton of great songs on it. Uh, a ton of great guitar work. Um, you know, and he's, you know, he features some sax, some harmonica, some piano. There's, you know, it's great though. I think, I mean, and I, I just, I realized I just said like, there are better albums in his catalog, like on a technical critical level, like as far as like songwriting goes, as far as lyricisms go, I'm, I'm hard pressed to find an album that I think is, is better written other than maybe like darkness on the edge of town and lyrically, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, I mean, yeah, it's a really well-written record. And there, there is a there's a cohesive theme, and that I mean that tends to be one of the things we go looking for in this in the second season, which is like as we look at each album, like what is because Bruce is really intentional about like what he does and doesn't include on an album, and in the story he's trying to tell, and sort of the the idea he's trying to bring across, and the overall theme here is pretty over. It is it is frustration over an America that he feels has lost its way. It feels yeah. Uh, it, it is in the twilight of the George W. Bush presidency. We are at 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 the moment of the, of its release. We are. I'm going to say like five years into a um, what what would end up becoming what feels like an endless war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, Bruce yeah. is deeply frustrated with the, the passing of the Patriot Act, which has given the government permission to kind of surveil and spy on whoever they want. There is um, there, there's still some residual frustration over the mishandling of Hurricane Katrina, which he dealt with on the last record on uh, We Shall Overcome. And so there's and we'll deal with again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And. And and so Bruce Bruce is coming to the end of a a second term of a George W. Bush presidency, and he's kind of had it up to here, and he's ready to to talk about it. He's ready, and he's been writing these songs uh, like ever since the end of the Rising sessions. And so yeah, he like it's been stewing for a little while, but he had other stuff he was like wanted to do. He wanted to put out Devils and Dust. He like there were a couple of moments where he thought about calling Brennan O'Brien and saying, but but he felt like he didn't have enough material written yet, and so. Um, and so this was like to borrow a phrase, this album was a long time coming. Like the entire George yeah. W. Bush presidency for for Bruce was sort of a slow burn, cul- culminating in this in this record. So there's a lot of fr- yeah. pent up frustration that he needs to get out of his system in, in the release of this album, and you you, and we're, you you can see it in a lot of these songs. And and what's so like tragic and terrible about it is, ten years after the release of the song. Donald Trump is elected pre- or after the release of this album, Donald Trump is, is elected president and this, like all the ideas like wrapped up in this record become 10 times more relevant. Like, like it, yeah. it, in fact, there's, there's a part of me that wants to like go back in time and like, and tell Bruce, like, look, I understand you're very frustrated, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, you like you, nothing. you have no idea how, how dark it's going to get. Um, like we're gonna reminisce about these times. Yeah, buddy. we we will be nostalgic for the the leadership of the George W. Bush era, and that is not to not to minimize the terrible decisions that were made and the lives that were lost and the the truly horrific things that happened during that era. But like we're as we sit here, we're we've we're we're well beyond 150 thousand deaths due to COVID nineteen, in large part due to massive mishandling of this pandemic, and like all of a sudden, like oh man, like the things that we were frustrated about 10 years ago feel almost quaint in, in comparison to what we're experiencing. Yeah. Today, it blows know? my mind because there are so many other countries that have a, a handle on this. Yeah. <laughs> and like <laughs> an American passport is no longer, uh, the, 
the fucking free pass it used to be. <laughs> yeah, we were talking off air about about playing Assassin's Creed and like getting to visit like ancient cities and European countries. And now I, I had this realization just now, like, oh wow, playing Assassin's Creed is the only way I get to visit Rome because because they can't, they will not accept my passport. Because <laughs> if you showed up in Rome on a plane, <laughs> they'd tell you to get back on that plane. That, that's right. Americans are not welcome here. So yeah, yeah we have become global pariahs. Um. So yeah, that that has happened since the release of this album. Tay tay tay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, you know what I did today for like most of the day? What? Slept <laughs> because it's easier. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, that sounds uh, great. If my kids would allow it, that's what I would do too. Uh, I I started. I I've been watching a. There's a three and a half hour long documentary about Bob Dylan on um, Netflix that I've been watching off and on, and it is. It's a great escape. Like it, you can spend hours just like living living in the world of like nineteen sixties Greenwich Village folk scene. And it's nice. Very. It's just wonderful. <laughs> and I've been trying to just go there as much as I can. Go there. Yeah, man. Escapism is the name of the game because otherwise you end up looking like Bruce looks at the, on the cover of this record, which is both awesome yeah. and exhausted. Yeah, I think that like the Last of Us two isn't as surprising. Like you go outside, people outside are sick. They might get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It, it's like a zombie apocalypse, except instead of becoming zombies, we just become like very, very sick. And yeah, and then there are people out there who are like protesting for their right to become zombies. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, they wrote that movie over that show uh, Avenue A before the pandemic. Uh, the HBO show with Hugh Laurie about the the luxury space liner. I've not watched that. Is it funny? Oh my gosh! They're like, oh look, this is just a this is this thing isn't actually this thing isn't actually a, a spaceship. We're on a somebody's like, I work in FX. This is this lady. She keeps talking about working in FX. <laughs> <laughs> I I work in VFX. This is a Hollywood set, and somebody just walks out, and everyone watches them just like turn to ice and shatter, <laughs> <laughs> and then more people walk out. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. It's funny, but it's also like, oh, that is actually the world that we currently live in. Mm. Um. So yeah. So th- this this album, and I'm not gonna lie, man. After the 2016 election, like in November of 2016, this album was in heavy rotation in my car for a long time. Yeah. Because it felt so prescient. In fact, there was a part of me that was like, it. it I realized like Bruce was just about to enter into the Broadway show, but there was a part of me that was like the most the most relevant thing he can do right now, it, like culturally is just to go on a 10 year magic reunion sh- tour. And it feels like that, that would have been to, to go on a tour and do these songs in any time in the last three and a half years would have been incredibly prescient, you know? Yeah. So yeah, man. I, and like I said, I, I love this. I, I unabashedly just fully love this album. Part of me wonders like, what if what if we just made a podcast where we only talk about this album every single week? We just talk about magic. <laughs> how long how long could I maintain that? How how many people would listen? Just Brendan O'Brien, uh, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it would do as good. Probably not. There are probably people who would be like, "It'd be great for like the first year <laughs> if we did one song a month." <laughs> we could do it like dissect, you know, like the the dissect podcast where they, oh go, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll just have to get the stems from Bruce and the estate. Yeah, easy. No, tr- no trouble. No problem on this podcast. 
where we <laughs> didn't even play anybody else's music for fear of being sued for like the first three years. That's correct. Yes. Um, right. Anyway. Yeah. So magic. let's talk. About, let's go track by track. You want to talk track by track? Let's talk radio nowhere. Is a what a great way to kick things off, huh? This is such a great rock song. I love this song so much. This is, and it's like uh, it. It starts off like, "Hey, you want to rock? Yeah. Also, do you want to deal with some demons? You got some shit you want to drag up? Because uh, I don't know if you heard these guitar tones, but <laughs> yeah, man, we got demons going to get woke. <laughs> I mean, that is, is that not like what Bruce Springsteen is all about? Rocking your face yeah. off while also dealing with the demons. Like, in fact, so you're probably alive out there. We got some shit to deal with. In the Brian Hyatt book, he he writes this. He says, for all the E Street Band's onstage muscle, there wasn't much room for big distorted rhythm guitars in Bruce Springsteen's recorded music. At least not until Brendan O'Brien showed up. Yeah. Uh, so which which is where we get like the oh this is a, this is gonna be a very guitar forward song. Like like when he says I want a thousand guitars and pounding drums like. Done. Ugh. Delivered. Brendan O'Brien has got yeah. you covered. It's so good. Um, Clarence Clemens's sax solo is doubled by a lead guitar solo here. It's very reminiscent of the Promised Land and structure. And I'm Ooh. so here. It's the best. This album is the best Clarence we're gonna get. Or this is the best Clarence since I don't know, like the River, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, it, it's uh, it not. I'm gonna say it's a return to form, but I mean, it is. It's more than a return to form. It it's a return to form, but it's also like yeah, doubling yeah, down on some of the more rock and roll stuff. Something like that before. Yeah. Uh, and they should they should have been doing it the whole, this whole time. Yeah, and and yeah, you can totally see like, oh wow, like this is just like pull the <laughs> just, just pull all the stops out and just make a like straightforward guitar rock album. Yeah, and uh, in fact, in in 2018, Eddie Vedder told Danny Clinch, so this is two years ago, Eddie Vedder tells photographer Danny Clinch, he says, quote, I was listening to that song Radio Nowhere. Man, what a song. Yeah. Eddie Vedder loves this song, y'all, and he's not wrong. It's a great song. It is a great song. And and it's cohesive to the theme. It's like he, like this whole idea of, I mean, first of all, it just sounds like a rock song about writing a rock song, but it's also because it's Bruce Springsteen and because it's on this album, we know we know better. And we know that what he's actually saying here is like, I've been singing about things like justice and humanity and like, I've had a thing I've been wanting to say and I've been saying it for years and years and I'm not sure anybody has been listening. And if they were listening before, I'm not sure if they're still listening. And so like, I, I still have things to say. And if you'll be kind enough to listen, I will tell you. And that's, that is what this song is. You know, he's like, I've got a thousand guitars, pounding drums and all these voices Millions of voices, and I—is there anybody out here? Can you not hear me? Because I have been—I've been trying to make a connection with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is this not the plight of of the artist? I want a million different voices speaking in tongues. I'm trying to make a connection with you. This is radio. No, just the the idea. And I mean, I was actually thinking about this because I, in my in my normal job, <laughs> I'm a pastor. If this is anybody's first uh, episode, I'm a pastor. And during this time, during the pandemic, like I, we're not having 
in-person services. And so every single week I set up my laptop on a stack of books and I preach a sermon into a computer and it goes out. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm talking to no one. You know, like there, there is this weird lonely sort of thing that happens when you talk into a microphone and you're just looking at your like own reflection, staring back at you in your dining room window. And it's, yeah, it's the strangest sort of thing. Like you, you're kind of pouring your soul out, but there's also like this weird sense of like, it's possible that this is all just for vanity sake. Like it's possible. I'm only doing this and I'm just spinning my wheels and no one can hear me, but I'm pouring, I'm doing it anyway, because I don't know what else to do. And I get the feeling like when Bruce is in the studio singing the song there, there must be part of him that feels that way too. You know, like I've been saying yeah. things about equality and justice and concern for your neighbor for years and years. And we still elected this guy twice. You know what I mean? Like there's like, there's gotta be a part of him like in a, in a lonely studio singing into a microphone by himself. He's gotta be feeling that same sort of emotion, right? Like I'm pouring my soul out, but yeah, is it, is it just for me or is it possible that other people are connecting with this as well? And so like the idea of, I want a million different voices speaking in tongues. Like that's, that's the live show that he's talking about. He's talking about like when I go out there and People cry back at me the songs that I've written. It's a reminder that the things I have to say have resonated at some level with people, you know, yeah. and that that means something to him, you know. And this is him saying, like, it does. It's not just because like I want to rock and roll. It's like I I have things that matter that, in, on my mind, and I hope you'll listen to me say them, you know. Yeah, give me some feedback. I just want to hear your rhythm. Are you there? Yeah. Are I just we in some rhythm. phase? Yeah. Are we vibrating in phase with each other? It's great, man. It's it is it's a perfect rock song. I love it so much. Yeah, and it's almost like, look, do I need to play him slower? Do I need to play him faster? I love it. it's like a there's a comment box, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just you let me. I've done it six or seven different ways. You let me know, you know. Do you like this? Check yes, no, or maybe. Yeah, we'll try it again. Yeah, uh, which brings us right into you'll be coming down. interesting song to follow radio nowhere is it not uh yeah i think so i think it could have definitely gone a little bit bigger but it's you know it's got great saxophone work it's pretty simple but really great well and it deals sort of like with the like if radio nowhere is like i still have things i want to say and i hope people are listening you'll be coming down is sort of like facing the reality of and we and we talked about this on relatively recently it's because it starts with a y but like the idea of like, it sounds like he's singing to a woman who is like basically like getting by on her looks. And at, at some point, like her, her, um, one day her pretty face won't hold out anymore. Like, you know, like sort of like the fleeting nature of beauty and fame. But then mm-hmm. you sort of get the sense that he's actually talking about himself and he's realizing like my, my relevance has a shelf life. And so it's interesting, like you have radio nowhere, which is, I still have things I want to say. And you'll be coming down with sort of the reckoning of like, yeah, but how much, how many more opportunities do I really have to say it? Yeah. But it's also because it's on this album about America, you know, like America has sort of like been the giant. We're not going to be the golden child for 
much longer. Yeah, because yeah, like like we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is like five years ago, the the American passport was it was like a golden ticket to get anywhere in the world. Like, yeah, um, pe- people who work in tourism everywhere in the world have to learn how to speak English because American tourists are such a dominant force in the world. And now, currently in 2020, everyone is like, you know, Americans, we do not want you here. <laughs> you can stay home for all we care. You know, because. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and so we we have gone from like the, the the last remaining like global empire to like no thank you <laughs> we we can do without yeah. you you know we'll do we'll do just fine without you so yeah it's 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 about like the waning like power which is funny because at the time that this was written and I, I guess it was sort of like that like at the time that it was written like I I, I feel like around the world there was sort of a wariness to Americans just because because of the war and because of Bush but I feel like. During the Obama era, we sort of rebuilt some of that goodwill, and uh, that is gone <laughs> now. Yeah. So, like this, the song stopped being relevant for a minute, and then now it's it's more relevant than ever. I love this song. This I, I think this is the most underrated song on the album. I, it's super duper catchy and big big yeah. wall of sound. So yeah, uh, we got some throwback to some of his '90s guitar work and living on the future. in the future yes and living the future is kind of uh i i was kind of hard on this song when we rated it but it, it kind of feels pretty prescient right now yeah, doesn't uh, it is he predicts a lot of you know what's going on in this record as if he really was here for a little bit woke up election day sky's gunpowder shades of gray yeah oh. <laughs> this just ain't happened yet yeah it's happened. Oh, it's happened. Yeah. Ten years ago, it was like, yeah, we're living in the future. And now it's like, oh, it's just this is this is reality now. I mean, imagine trying yeah. to go back in time and telling Bruce, like, look, in in 13 years, we will have a former game show host who's a, who's the president who does not care how many people die of this of, of a disease. Most of us will have to stay home. Live concerts will be canceled. Hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. are going to die. And. And, and there will be people who are protesting for their right to be killed by this virus or to catch this. He virus. would have looked at you. He would have looked up. He would have dabbed out his little cigarette and he said, I don't smoke. It's just for the effect. That's right. And he'd look at you and he'd say. Because we're in a David Lynch movie. He'd look at you and he'd say, boy, I know. I've been trying to tell him this whole time. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like he, he saw this coming because it's like, yeah, we, we are on a long, slow decline and we are becoming the worst versions of ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, before, if you if you caught this show um, on the Magic Tour and he did this song, like he had like this spiel he would do every night about like it was basically like a two minute civics lesson during the intro to this song about like wiretapping and civil rights violations. And like, again, like I'd love to go back back in time, 13 years and be like, Bruce, man, you, you have no idea what what's coming. You, like the future, you have no idea what the actual future holds. But yeah, I love the Shana Nas though. I feel like he probably doesn't play this song live a bunch anymore. I think he doesn't do very many things at all live anymore. Well, I, this song just isn't one that I would, you know, like it just feels like it would be too painful. 
Well, that's the, that's another weird thing too, right? because the last time he played with the E Street Band, Barack Obama was still the president. <laughs> you know, he yeah. he didn't do the song at all during the Obama presidency. Oh, I yeah. say that. No, yeah, I guess he didn't because the election was in two thousand and eight, and that's when they were doing this tour. So, yeah, he didn't do this song at all during the Obama presidency because he was very hopeful about the Obama presidency, and so he has not toured with the E Street Band since Trump was elected. He did the Broadway oh. show. So I do wonder, yeah, like, like would he, would he, like, what, what would an E Street Band set list look like in in a in a Trump era Bruce Springsteen show? I don't know, man. I don't think this song would be on there. That'd be too painful to play. You, you think so? Or like I said, like maybe yeah. too quaint. Like at the time, it was it was too like... ha- yeah, it's too happy. You can't <laughs> play that happy guitar like that tiny little happy guitar solo. Yeah, I feel like he'd be doing American Skin every night. Oh yeah, um, and probably Long Walk Home. But you, yeah, um, that's an interesting thought exercise. Well, if if Bruce Springsteen went on tour right now, well, what would what would that set list be? Your own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go to track four. Your own worst enemy. You can't sleep at night. You can't dream your dream. Your fingerprints on fire. Left clumsily at the sea. It is. <laughs> Your own worst enemy has come to town. <laughs> so this is a song about QAnon. <laughs> Before that existed. Um, uh, the strings kind of make this song um, seem more kind of grown up. Like, like, all right, you know, this is adult rock. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about some more, some important things now. Yeah, it's about paranoia. It's about fear of the other. It, it, but like the twist, of course, is like, it turns out, the the thing we have to fear most is our own worst impulses. Like the call is yeah. coming from inside the house. So it is like all, all the things that, I mean, right wing media keeps telling you, you should be afraid of like the, the real thing I'm most afraid of are people who only watch right wing media, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your own it's worst enemy is like the, the demons that we all sort of carry around and like how we project those things onto other people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got great chimes and timpani. <laughs> it really does. Like the like you said, like the mixing here and the instrumentation is. Um, you really could cool. write Christmas lyrics to the song. <laughs> oh my gosh! You There's totally bells. Can. Yeah, chimes. you could write Christmas lyrics to the song. Yeah. There's like the the Oz and the 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 Beach Boys like who at the end. That's a big you know like it's very you could definitely write Christmas lyrics to the song. There's a there's a couple of straight up just Beach Boys. I'm not gonna say rip offs, but like there's definitely some homages to the to the Beach Boys in this album for sure. Yeah, yeah. The harmonies at the end of this one sound like the Beach Boys old Langs on. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you know what's funny? This is Brian. <laughs> when uh dude reliant k did that song even with the end the end with their bass player named brian going hi uh, this is brian <laughs> did they really and on behalf of matt matt <laughs> and the guys <laughs> yeah which is like they did that whole song uh exactly like the beach boys i've never heard that it's incredible i mean they word for word the like tag at the end and we're wishing you a merry christmas it's so funny. 
You know, the thing about this song, like when I, I was on Jesse Jackson's podcast a couple of years ago and we did a ranking of this whole album, like like top to bottom or uh, like like basically ranking every song in, in the order. And, and I put this song last in, on the whole album. And the thing is, and I, I said this on his podcast, like I really like this song. This is a four star song for me. And and it, like that's how much I love this album. But this is my least favorite song on this album. And I really, really like this song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of silly, but it's still good and, and it's meaningful. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, like he could do this song right now, and we'd be like, "Wow, that is very prophetic. That is that speaks directly into what we're dealing with." Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then it goes into a much heavier song. Track with five, some really great harmonica. The harmonica's lights out. Gypsy biker. Speculator need the money on the plug you share. Your mama's pulled the sheets up off your bed Robert Hill's on James Street Sold your shoes and clothes Ain't nobody talking Cause everybody knows We pulled your cycle up at the garage And polished up with chrome yeah, I mean, the harmonica is really strong here. This is a song, this is one of two songs about soldiers. And, like, basically the the return from, hor- the, from, from the horrors of war, or the, you know, the absence of the return, I guess. Because it's yeah. about a hometown funeral for a fallen sh- soldier. And they have sort of like a Viking-style funeral for this biker. They set his motorcycle on fire in a ravine, and that's pretty pretty boss um <laughs> pretty boss <laughs> but the song gives me chills every damn time i hear it because what it does like the thing is i grew up in a small town where lots of lots of guys i grew up with joined the army after we graduated and like immediately after that happened 9-11 and like war you know and so i, I like i imagine this i imagine this song taking place in the town where i grew up and just yeah. like people coping with the loss of like a neighbor and a friend and how they do it. And just like the, like I said, like the, the, the gypsy biker Viking funeral that they hold for this guy. And, um, and I love the way it's written. Like it's got that driving, like that very, just, I don't, I don't, I don't even know exactly how to, how to describe just the way that it, it sounds like the harmonica is, is going a hundred miles an hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It really does feel like it's like a ghost on a motorcycle, you know? Yeah. And, and the line, as I was listening to it, I, I have this on the turntable today, and the the line that continued to sort of grab me was the line where he says, to the dead, it don't matter much about who's wrong or right. Yeah. You know, and, and like, again, like, thinking about the moment, it's, it's, it's impossible to listen to this album now and not, like, recontextualize it for this moment, but the, the idea of it don't matter much about who's wrong or right, I keep thinking about, I mean, to, to make it very specific, like, a couple of weeks ago, what are we, like, a week and a half? removed from the news that Herman Cain died like five weeks Mm -hmm. after attending a Trump rally. You know, like we're talking about a guy who was a deeply devoted Republican who took lots and lots of pictures of himself at this Trump rally. Like we're not wearing masks. We're not afraid. We're making America great. And this virus got him the same way that it got a lot of people who didn't go to the, you know what I mean? And so like, and it's almost like there's this partisan divide about like how seriously or not seriously to take all the things that are happening right now. And I think Herman Cain is probably one of the most prescient reminders of like the bravado isn't like you don't, you don't get a pass on this just because 
you feel brave. You know what I mean? And like, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's deeply sad. I, I like a person died for the, like for the, the, in order to prop up the ego of this very fragile president that we have, you know, like how he, he, he has been officially martyred on, on the altar of Donald Trump's ego. Yeah. And, and I don't say that lightly. And I'm, again, I don't say that with any amount of glee. I think it's deeply tragic. And it, it pulls me back into this lyric to the dead. It doesn't matter who's wrong or right. Like you, like you're like the yeah. posturing makes no difference when there, there are things that are bigger than your, your, your political divides, you know? And, yeah. um, and that, that line just continued to just really kind of wreck me today because I mean, I, again, like I, I, I was in a conversation not more than a couple of days ago with a relative about about this and just like the the liberal media is just like juicing this up because they're trying to like ruin the election and you know like man you, you might think that but the thing is if you think that and you leave your house and start going and like go, going into crowded spaces because that's what you think it only hurts you it like to the dead it don't it doesn't matter if if you believe in this or not you know yeah so anyway uh, that that to me so like and and again like I realize that the song itself is about going off to war, and to a to a to a fallen soldier it doesn't matter like who's right or who's wrong the soldier is still gone and yeah um and so that that's the connection he's making there um this is this is I th- I think this is the best song Bruce ever wrote about um a fallen soldier in my opinion it definitely is the one that um I the city I lived in Hernando right after I graduated from college is the small town outside of Memphis and. Anytime a soldier uh, from Hernando or from the county died um, at war, they would um, have like a, you know, the local bike gangs would, you know, ride ahead of the casket and they would have a parade through town and everyone would salute and wave flags. And it very, very much reminds me of that, like the the sort of um, tradition, but also like it's weird how accepted it is and celebrated um, yeah. to become such a tradition. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's heavy. It is heavy. Well, and also, I mean, you, you've got the, the story that we're probably not talking about nearly enough, which is the Russian bounties placed on American soldiers lives, you know, like yeah. that. And, and so the, the image of a fallen soldier now like has all sorts of other weight to it. Like, did anybody try and stop this? Did, did anybody, does anybody with power, or is anybody with power doing anything to keep this from happening again? You know, and, and that to me is another one of the tragedies of this song. Or, and there, there's another song later on that kind of deals with the same sort of idea, which is like, are, are these, like, do people, do the people with power consider these lives sacred or are they just numbers? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, man. I uh, I don't know. Like I said, like this this album and the song feel deeply real today. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. So. Um. And then. Next track is is another favorite of ours. Girls in the summer clothes. Will the streetlights shine down Jackets on out the door Tonight I'm going 
a major tonal shift coming out of Gypsy yeah. Biker. This this feels very breezy in comparison. It does. It feels like girls in their summer clothes. Yeah. So this is this is a full blown Beach Boys homage right here. Yeah. And and of course, there is a double meaning on the song because that's this is the Magic record, and like. At face value, it's dealing with like the ro- romantic ideas about like time passing by and like romanticism in terms of like the the girls in their summer clothes, like wa- like just the idea of like walking walking around at the end of summer and and it's it's turning fall and um and like time the times they are changing, I guess a little bit, yeah. And but but it's also about the waning idea of like youthful innocence in the idea right. of like our our images of ourselves. Like maybe the way we see ourselves, we're a little bit behind on how things really are. And and he even talks, I I forget the exact lyric, but he talks about leaving his house and he's got all sorts of confidence, even though like it's not necessarily like founded in reality, you know? Right, right. Jackets on, I'm out the door tonight. I'm going to burn this town down. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the liner notes. I was looking for that, but that's exactly the line I was looking for. Yeah, man. How do you feel? Do you like this song? I love this song. We both gave it fives. Oh, that's right. I I, should have printed out what our ratings on this album were. You and I were both really, really strong on this. Yeah. Yeah, we gave this record uh, high ratings. Deservedly so. It's it's a damn near perfect record. I gave it an average of like four and a half, and you gave it an average of... Like 4.8. Of, yeah, 4.8. Yeah, it's a ridiculously good album. And this song is really, really good. And this is... I mean, this is definitely the breeziest of the songs on on the record, and you, you could be forgiven for thinking it's just like a romantic pop song in the middle of an otherwise like protest oriented album. But really, at its heart, this is also part of the protest. It's about yeah, um, you know, it, it's about like how do we see ourselves versus who we really are, mm-hmm. and that's that that is a major theme in this record because it's all about, I mean, the concept, and we'll get to the title song in a couple, but it, it's all about like deception. It's not just the deception of the public, but the deception of the self. It's I think it's also about like time goes on like mm-hmm. all the stuff he's been talking about, you know, yeah, war and change and and unrest in the country and his own mortality. And this is saying like, but, you know, at the end of, you know, at the end of, of August, it starts to cool down a little bit and people are going to wear shorts and skirts a little bit less and it's going to get a breezy and time's going to pass us by. Yeah. And, and really that's a good, that's a good observation too, which is like, this is sort of the beginning of Bruce really reckoning. Like I said, now I guess devils and dust did this as well, but like the Bruce reckoning with the fact that he is aging and that, that times, times are not necessarily what they once were and that his role in, in the story isn't necessarily what it was when he was in his twenties. And like, like I said, like you see that with devils and dust, um, he, he, he gets at that pretty directly, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think this song in, in a, I mean, this song and "You'll Be Coming Down" are connected in that way, right? Like they're they're about sort of like the the waning effects of, of someone who used to be very youthful, and and perhaps isn't as youthful as as he likes to see himself being, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's that's in Radio Nowhere as well, right? Like it's like, um, is there anybody really alive out there? It's like I used to fill up stadiums, and I used to be somebody who had right. something to say and people really cared what I had to say. And so the question of this album, and I mean the, the 10 years of touring would confirm like, yeah, there, there are still many of us who are alive out there. Um, but like just that he's genuinely asking the question, you know, that I went off and did like this quasi acoustic record with devils and dust. I went off and did a Pete Seeger tribute album. And like, if I want to do rock and roll again, is there still an audience for it? And so like girls in their summer clothes is sort of a continuation of that series of thoughts, which is like, am I the guy like trolling for girls 
like 10 years too late. You know what I mean? Like on the boardwalk. Who ends up getting chastised by his waitress at a diner at the end of the night. Yeah. Am I, am I, am I the town joke or do, am I still like, am I leaving in a leather jacket and coming home by myself? Yeah. So that it is, that is an interesting layer to, I mean, that's again, that's one of the things that makes this album so prescient is that it is cohesive, but it also explores a lot of these things that aren't necessarily like the same idea. It's it's not like laser focused in that there's more than just one idea that he's exploring, but it is it's cohesive enough to stay inside of like the lane that he's constructed for himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It I mean it's a brilliant piece of art, like this entire album that that he's able to sort of deal with this idea of waning celebrity and relevance and power and self-deception and just all the different things that sort of go on that are all kind of inside this larger frame that he's constructed. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's, it, it's a masterpiece. And the next track, uh, Piano Man, I mean, I'll Work For Your Love, <laughs> is, uh, I mean, it's also a really good track. Only a drink to reason, one of those glasses you dust off. And I watch the bones in your back like the stations of the cross. Or a bar. Pour me a drink, Teresa. One of those glasses you dust off. Yeah. Lots of Catholic imagery here. This is the most Catholic song Bruce ever wrote. Yeah. Watch the bones in your back like stations of the cross around your hair. The sun lifts a halo. At your lips, a crown of thorns. Yeah. I mean, whatever other deal gone down to this one, I'm sworn I'll work for your love, dear. I love this song. It's so, it's a great, great song. And it also, like, it connects, like, the sacred and like we talked about this in our regular episode when we did this one, but he, he, sacred he and mundane. Yeah. The suck, the sacred, well, the sacred and the sensual even like not just the mundane, oh, yeah. but like the, that he sexualizes these very sacred images, like the stations of the cross yeah. and the crown stations of the cross. And yeah. Um, so, so he takes, he takes all these ideas and he wraps them up in a, in a very sensual like set of images. And, and it's, I mean, can you imagine like him? I mean, I realize like he, he went to his old Catholic high school and he did redheaded woman, but like, so it doesn't get much more subversive than that, but this is pretty subversive too. Like he's, he's really yeah. kind of playing around in this, this interesting, um, like set of ideas. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's interesting how this album sort of doubles as like romantic pop almost, but also as like deeply subversive political rebuke of people in yeah. power and, and it does so w- without ever seeming inconsistent or confusing. And and this song sort of like, it, it kind of shows you like, yeah, that's what I'm doing with this whole record. I'm, I'm blending the sacred with the sensual. Like I'm, I'm writing songs that sound very like um, seductive and sensual, but I'm also, I also have something like more profound and sacred to say. And like, it like right. this conversation he's having with Teresa is like almost like a symbolism of like what this whole album is, which is like, we're going to talk about some real stuff, but we're also going to kind of wrap it in some bubble gum, you know? Yeah. He really nails the tone of the record. Yeah, he really does. Like, and, and again, let's, I, I think Brendan O'Brien has a lot to do with it. I, I think, I think when you bring in a producer like Brendan O'Brien and you have, and like Bruce comes in with the idea of, I, I want to write some stuff. I want to say some stuff about the Bush era, like concerns that I have, but I want to do it as a, like a rap or you know, a guitar rock album, Brendan O'Brien's like, you got it. I know exactly. How, I, I know exactly how to do that. You know? Yeah. Um, 
because that is kind of like all Pearl Jam ever does. So like that's, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's sort of like their bread and butter. Like, yeah. can you do like rock and roll that also is like deeply meaningful and, you know, lyrically cohesive? Like, yeah, I, I think I can deliver you one of those. <laughs> one of those coming right up. Yeah. So then track eight, the title track, Magic. I've got a corn in the pond. I can make it disappear. Got a cut up my sleeve Name it and I'll pull it out your ear I got a rabbit in my head If you wanna come and see This is what we'll be This is what we'll be How do you feel about this one? Uh, I love this, the way this comes in This is, it's got and some it's, strings Some Susie, some upright It's got bass. some some devils and dust yeah um yeah it's super eerie the guitar picking is really nice um i'm all about this song man i'll work for this song i think about this song every time i watch a white house press conference every time i don't watch white house press conferences anymore well i mean you're not wrong but like every every single like in fact just as we record this like yesterday there was a an interview where trump like was trying to convince this Australian journalist. It was, I think it was an Axios. He was trying to convince this journalist that we were like leading the country in COVID recovery. You yeah. Know, like, and like, we're doing the very best. And the guy was like, well, I have this chart here that shows exactly the opposite. And, and Trump keeps like trying to be like, no, no, no. Yeah. We're, we're last, but that means we're really first because we're testing. You know what I mean? And so he keeps trying to change the narrative in a way that makes him look. Yeah. Good. It's become a me. It's become just like the go-to meme right now. On the yeah. Internet. And it's, I mean that like Sarah Cooper has made an entire comedy career out of this. And, um, and just like the idea of like, you can look at hard data and, and try so hard to tell everyone who's looking at the data that what you're what you're looking at isn't what you're looking at. That is what the song is. You know, trust none of what yeah. you hear unless of what you see. This song is about what happens when someone has so much confidence that they can stand up at a podium and tell you that what you're seeing isn't really happening. And yeah. we have we have now been living through almost four years of exactly that. And that I have people in my life who continue to repeat the things this man says as if they were true. When there is so much demonstrable evidence that it's not, it's like you went to see a magician and you walked away believing he literally had a rabbit in his hat. You know what I mean? And it like, wasn't even a good magician. Yeah, he's a bad magician. And you walked away thinking like every word he said was gospel. And I think about this song daily. And I'm not in a good, I mean, in a, in a good way, like the song continues to be prescient, but in a bad way, like I can't believe, I cannot believe how much more true this song is than it was 13 years ago when he wrote it. It's wild, man. It is. And I mean, thematically, it's very straightforward. And it, I, I feel like, again, I, want, I feel like I want to go back in time and tell Bruce, like, you have no idea how useful this song is going to be in 13 you years. You nail this whole thing. Yeah. And from here on out, like, I realize, like, up to this point, it's sort of been a blending of, like, the pop and the, the sensuality and the, like, it, it sounded like pretty straightforward pop songs, but also with, like, the subversive undertones but from here yeah. like beginning with magic magic is sort of where he flips the switch and it's like we're just i'm gonna i'm gonna get rid of all the pretense we're gonna get rid of all like the vagaries and the rest of the album is gonna be straightforward like look you directly in the, in the eye and critique the things that we're, we're dealing with right now yeah which leads us to track nine which is last to die Of voice 
has such a killer guitar intro. Yeah, it does. This is I man, I I I didn't realize until I was prepping for this like when when I saw him on the Magic Tour, I didn't realize like how many of these songs I got to see him do. Cuz after oh, yeah. after the Magic Tour on on his tours, he stopped touring on like he basically was like I'll just tour on like my laurels. Like I'll I'll release yeah. new albums, but I don't necessarily have to like cater to the new album on the tour. Like I'm Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to do what I, I'm going to play like Darkness on the Edge of Town all the way through or whatever. And I'm going to take sign requests. But like on the Magic Tour, he was still like promoting albums. And so yeah. he played, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm looking at the track list. He played of of the song, he played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the of the 11 songs on, on the main. Like that's, that is an amazing amount of representation. So he was really like leaning hard into this album. And, and granted, like Bush was still the president and Obama was campaigning. And, you know, so he was, he's, he's like leaning hard into all these ideas as a whole. But I'm remembering this is one of the straightforward ones. Oh yeah, and he did this one, and it was inc- just incredible. Almost said unbelievable and incredible all at the same time. Unbecredible. Unbecredible. And so the phrase here, "Last to Die," the title is is taken from a 1971 John Kerry quote about the Vietnam War, where he says, and the quote is, "How do you how do you ask a man to be the last man to die in Vietnam?" And meaning, like, yeah. we all know that the Vietnam War is a sham. We all know that, th- that this is, like, it, the You've absurdity. The that, yeah. It has been admitted from the top. Yeah. Like, there, there's no more pretending, like, this This is anything other than, the, like, stroking the ego of a president who doesn't want to be the first president to lose a war. Yeah. And, like, how do you ask someone to be the last man to die for that cause? And, again, not to continue to harp on this, but is that not still... Like, could we not still take that very exact idea and adapt it to what we're dealing with? How do you ask somebody to be the last to die of COVID-19? How do you ask somebody to be the last to die of police brutality? You know, like, how do you, yeah. like. Or in the war that we're, the ongoing war that we've admitted isn't uh, going to ever be successful. The same Like, war, we're fighting this battle on, like, three or four fronts. Yeah, the same, the same war, war he was writing about, about in this record, in the song. saying it's been going on too long in this record. Yes, like yeah, the the people people who were born after nine eleven can now go fight in Afghanistan, in the same war. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So how do you ask somebody? I mean, first of all, like, will any will there ever be a last? Will will this ever end? You know, in regards to that oh. war, or again, like like the the the, scour- the scourge of police brutality against black men in this country. Like, will there be a last? And how do you say? Because every single time a story, like every time there's a George Floyd, there's a part of me that's like, but there's somebody right now who's alive. And one day that person will be on film and that person's name will be a hashtag. And how do you ask somebody to be the last person to like the, the, the urgency of getting this right cannot be overstated because the last to die has not yet died. And that is devastating. That is horrific. You know? Yeah. So it is. So that's that is what the song is about. Like, who'll be and the, the song is like one. very urgent strings and a very urgent acoustic guitar that does like a little bit of like mariachi strumming in its chord changes. Yeah, it's like very urgent. It it, it sounds like he's gonna break every single string on the guitar, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like that with Gypsy Especially Biker like too. The, there's, there's several songs like drum, that. Drum, 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 drum. Like the acoustic guitar is louder than the electric. Yeah. And not just the acoustic, but like the string, the pick sounds. You know, the scrapes. <laughs> He's yes. playing so hard. Yeah, he really is, man. It's, it is, 
It is urgent. It is frantic. It is desperate. And I love it. And, and then that, it goes into his next song about a um, soldier. Long Welcome. Last night I stood at your doorstep Trying to figure out what went wrong You just slipped something into my palm neck And you were gone I could smell the same deep green of summer Above me the same night sky was glowing in the distance I could see the town where I was born It's gonna be a long walk home Long Walk Home, which is one of my, I think, maybe all-time favorite songs. I play this song all the time on the piano. This song is beautiful. He, he played this song a bunch while he was campaigning for Barack Obama in 2008, which tells you everything you need to know about what he's trying to say. You know, yeah. that home isn't just like you need to go to your house home is there there is there is a version of us that is the best version of us and is it like he's basically like pleading with everyone can we please try to become better versions of ourselves can we be yeah. can we be a better america can we be a better society and the last 4 years has shown us like not not yet we can't and uh, mm-hmm. yeah man it's prescient and it's devastating you know and uh, it's yeah. real, man. And you're right; it's it's such a good song. Yeah, I love it. It's it's, it's super straightforward. It's super good. Uh, yeah, just hey, pretty darling, don't wait for me. It's gonna be a long walk home. Mm. This, this album ends like just the the like from magic all the way through Devil's Arcade. This album just it peaks and it just stays exactly at the right spot. You know. Yeah, and then it gets, I mean, then it, when it ends, it brings you down. And, yeah, it does. You know. Which takes us to track 11, the final track on the official record, not counting the hidden track, which is uh, track 11, which is Devil's Arcade. Remember a morning we dug up your gun, worms in the barrel, the hanging sun. Those first nervous evenings, the perfume and gin, the lost smell on your breath as I helped you get it. The rush of your lips, the feel of your name, the beat of your heart, the devil's arcade. This is, I said earlier that Gypsy Biker is Bruce's best fallen soldier song. Devil's Arcade is Bruce's best soldier song. Yeah, it's a very good one. So this is about a soldier who's come home. Um, he, he, he's, he comes home alive, but he's traumatized. And, uh, and so this is sort of like, kind of living in the aftermath of the trauma and we we've i remember when we first did this episode russ bartlett sent us um his thoughts on this and he i I wish i thought to print them out because he had a lot of really um really insightful things to say about this and about how it kind of is about you know reckoning with the self and trauma and not not just like the trauma of war but just the trauma of mental illness and um yeah like really really dealing with some very very heavy things and this and it's got like that heavy cello uh, th- this album it takes this, so long to come in. Oh. Yeah, this this song is it wrecks me, man. Th- this this album is an emotional journey for me, and Devil's Arcade is officially like technically the last song on the record. Is whoo it it lands in exactly the spot it needs to, you know? Oh man, yeah. And I mean, we, we don't uh, need to yeah, go. I've, I've cried listening to this song. I think this is one of the ones I might have cried when we talked about. Uh, I think oh, yeah. this is such a good song. And I, I kind of want to like I just want to sort of recommend anybody 
like we we spent some time three or four years ago whenever we did this one um in in the first season like digging we spent like 30 minutes just digging through the lyrics of this song so it's it's way way back in in the archive so you can go find it if it's the first magic song we talked about i think oh was it uh yeah yeah you're probably right man uh what a way to start yeah also this is like a good landscape song like his western sort of landscape that we talk about in devils and dust and we will talk about again in western stars but like this you know this big sort of orchestrated landscape yeah sonically this song would have sounded great on devils and dust or western stars because of because because yeah oh man yeah I, I, and yeah, it's it's <laughs> Bruce has a couple of songs that are just about like trauma and like struggling with mental illness, which now in in retrospect, because of his his memoir, we know like mental illness and depression are things that Bruce has a lot of like firsthand experience with. And so that, that he's able to sort of access these these spaces and like those these points of view, it, it's a little less surprising that he knows how to go into these places knowing that like, yeah, he's he's had he's been facing the, that darkness his whole life and. That, that he's able to write about it this way just tells you how close um, how close he is to that darkness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this song this song dark, really got me down. today. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I, you know, in, in dealing with all the things that we're dealing with right now and all the things, like, internally that I'm dealing with and learning about myself, th- this album is such a, I mean, at, at one level, it's it's such a rallying cry. It's a protest album. But at, at another level, it's, it, it's, it's very personal and it really, especially like with this song, it really gets down to like the, the internal soul of the cost of when, when people with power make these decisions or fail to protect people or fail to, to do their best for other people. Like there are, there are human costs to that. And it's not just like, did somebody die? It's, you know, what, what did this take away from a person? What, what parts of my soul did this cost me? to, to yeah. have endured the trauma of living during this thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, man, this song is, it's a gut punch, and I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, if I, if I could, what if we just talked about this record every, <laughs> just, just every week? Um, and then we there's did. a, <laughs> yeah, and, and then there's a hidden track, which I, I appreciate for what it is, but at the same time, like, I wish, I wish it wasn't on this album just because like, I feel like devil's arcade needs to be the final word. And that, that there is on the vinyl, at least like there is sort of this epilogue. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I like this song. I, I appreciate this. Terry. And I'm talking about track 12, which is Terry's song. Well, they built the Titanic to be one of a kind, but many ships have ruled the seas. They built the Eiffel Tower to stand alone. They could build another if they please. Taj Mahal, the pyramids of Egypt are unique, I suppose. When they built you, brother, they broke the mold. And, and it's a it's a tribute to a, a friend of Bruce's named Terry McGovern who died suddenly on July the thirtieth, two thousand seven. And the album was technically finished, but Bruce was obviously deeply affected by the the death of his friend, and so he just, at the very last minute just like went back into the studio and just did two quick takes, and and they just kind of threw this on at the end of um, the second printings of of this record, and 
Um, and so on my, on my CD copy, this was not on it, but on my vinyl it is. And so, um, so it's a nice tribute. In fact, there's a part of me that's like, when I die, it'd be fine with me if somebody wanted to do this song <laughs> at my funeral. Right. But, um, <laughs> and th- there's a part of me that's like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like the people I love and like who, whose funeral, like, should we do this at? And, you know, like kind of at that level. But, um, so I, I appreciate the song for what it is, but at the same time, like, I, I feel like Devil's Arcade was such a perfect final word. And I feel like this sort of gets, this kind of steps on that a little bit. It's and a, so I'm, it's a great past your phrase. Uh, excellent final word. Oh, I'll give you that excellent final word, brother. Anyway, like I, I, I don't really have much to say about Terry's song other than like, it's, it's nice as a tribute. I just, you know, I, I wish it was somewhere else. Yeah. You know, tracks. Cause yeah, it, yeah, or like high hopes, or yeah, yeah, I mean, he could have I just hope. released it as like a digital extra, you know. But I mean, I realize like Bruce wanted people to have this song, and I like putting it in as a bonus track was the best at in two thousand seven. As far as Bruce was concerned, that was the best way to get this song into everybody's, you know, yeah, life. And so that's what he did. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I just like this this album without this. This album is perfectly cohesive, and this kind of True. breaks the spell a little bit, you know. And. Yeah, say whatever you want about this song. Bruce loves Terry more than he loves you, so true. It's the final call on that one. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. Like, th- there aren't a lot of people that Bruce like changed the structure of an album because he wanted to write a song about their- them after they died. Like, I think Terry's yeah. the only one. Um, like he wrote Last Carnival for for Danny, but at the same time, like, yeah, but like he put that like the, the, the there were like that was produced, it was planned, it was on the album that was supposed to be on. Uh, this he was like magic is done and i w- i'm bruce springsteen and therefore we will put this on th- at the end so i've spoken <laughs> i have spoken <laughs> <laughs> so final thoughts man like at, now now that we've talked about magic and my work here is done uh what how do you uh how are you feeling about it i love this record man um absolutely you know, four and, and a half out of five stars. You are right to love this record. That is the correct. I absolutely love this record. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, it is a sonic masterpiece. It is a bop. It is a jam. It is a breezy, breezy uh, pop string arrangement masterpiece. Uh, it's an anthem, dude. It's it's all. It's everything. It is one of the most listenable albums I think I own. It, it, it is one of the only albums that any t- any day... I can put it on my turntable, start with track one, and never once want to stop listening. Until yeah, and you can listen to it in the background, and it's totally great. And you can also focus in really deeply on each song. And uh, so, yeah, check it out. Listen I have, to Radio Nowhere and listen to the man- and magic this week. And, uh, yeah, enjoy it. It's a great record. I have found that I cannot put it on in the background. Like, I can leave it on. Like, there are a couple of moments where I can maybe, like, maybe during your own worst enemy for, like, a second, I can, like read an email but i i found today because i tried that today i was like i'll just put this on and like do like answer emails and like by the time by the time i got to um i'll work for your love i I was like well my this is a day killer like i i can't you know what i mean like i pretty much just like gave up on the idea of doing any work until devil's arcade was over i mean like if you're running errands or something and you want to be pumped up yeah Except if, if you chores around the house, if Devil's Arcade is on in the car right before you walk into the grocery store, you're going to walk into the grocery store and people are going to think you just came from a funeral. Just like that time that I watched the season ten finale of Parenthood at the gym and wept on the treadmill. Yeah, that was a just, mistake. 
ugly cried snot everywhere. I mean, it would have been, if I'd have done that today during COVID times, they would have just thrown that treadmill in the trash can. Yeah, they would have. <laughs> a person has leaked on this thing, and we get, we got to get rid I'm of so it. I'm so leaky. Yeah, man. Anyway. Great album. Magic. Cannot recommend it highly enough. This is, uh, this is my favorite album from the 21st century. It is... Um, sentimentally it's probably my favorite Bruce Springsteen album even though like technically Born to Run is probably my favorite because yeah you know like there, there's a difference between the things that you recognize as critically great and technically great and the things that just like uh, grab your soul at you know and this this album found me at exactly the right time this was uh, th- this was my front door to Bruce Springsteen and I am so so grateful for this album and um, I love it that's all I have to say yeah, yeah. It's, it's a killer record man yeah. So in our Patreon feed, we are going to talk about our top 10 protest songs. Or we're going to do our lightning round. We may do fewer. We may do more. That's right. Yeah. We made, I, I made, I made a top 10 protest list. song lightning round. Yeah. So because this album is so full of protest songs, we thought like, well, let's, let's talk about protest songs because if we were doing like, and the, the question is always like, if, if, if we were somewhere else and we were making a top 10, top five list, what stuff from this album or what what kinds of list would this album show up on? And like for me, you just said sure. a top 10, top five list, which makes me want to make a top five list of my top, top 10 list of, of top 10 lists. I could do that. My five favorite top 10 lists. Oh, for sure. I think uh, the the pain scale by Eula Biss. I think that's a 10, a five point list. That'd be a really good one. <laughs> the that's really funny. Um the the twelve steps that's a great list. That's a really good list. Yeah, um, our top, I'm stuck on that some your, of our them. top five lists of all time. I'm not even in the program, but there's a few that I'm like just. I tried to answer all the questions, and there's a few I can't answer. So sometimes I think about just going so I can figure them out. One list I I refer back to a lot is the the Rolling Stone top five hundred albums list of all time. That's a great list. Yeah, I refer back list. to the top one hundred guitar players of all time list often. And oftentimes I'm like, but it's mostly right. All right. Well, then if you want to hear our list on lists, then uh, you can he- hop on over to our uh, Patreon feed at uh, patreon.com forward slash Springsteen. If we could just quit listing, we, our wives would be happier and we'd be better humans. It's the only thing that's keeping me grounded in this world, JB. Oh, my gosh. If I had no lists, I would be I would float right off the planet. Mm, I marked off some stuff and made some new lists. I put. On my today to to do list, to work on my longer to do list. Excellent, as it should be. And not just like actual like project list, but it's actually a pop culture to do list, and it's it's, it's very complicated. But you know what? It, it has to be done. If not you, then it's you. highly. But it is highly sortable. As it should be. As any good list should be. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Go enjoy the Magic Record, and uh, you can join us next time. We're going to finish out the the first decade of the 2000s with Working on a Dream. So we will see you all then. Yeah.